Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome to Netflix vs. Cinema, the podcast that this week has been... We've all been on the same page. We've been so much on the same page that we've all seen the same thing in the cinema. <laughs> My name is Tosid. I am the host based up in the Midlands in the UK. And joining me as always on the Isle of Wight are Sharon. Hello. And Sean. Hiya. Now, there's there's a variety of ways to listen to us. You can find us on like, you know, any or you might have found us on YouTube. You might have found us on your a preferred podcast downloading thing we're all on, on on all those things and if you found us on youtube you notice that sean at the moment has got a bit of a doozy in the background <laughs> so sean does this every week he shows up with a film as his zoom background because that's how we record this we record this over zoom he shows up as a uh, with uh, a film as his zoom background and we have to guess who the actors are in it and who the and what the film is and this one is a okay if you are watching this on YouTube and you haven't seen the clip of the quiz where he gives us what the answer is, go find it. Because if you figured this film out and if you figured out who the actor on the left is, you have my utmost respect. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. So, this week, in what we usually do is we have cinema. We usually go to the cinema and on a good week, we get to see about three different things in the cinema. And at home, we watch a couple of things and then we weigh them up against each other Rate everything out of five, take an average, and we say who has won this week. Has it been Netflix or has it been cinema? Now, this week, we're talking about um, all of us being on the same page. We all went to see The Suicide Squad. Mm. I believe so. I believe so. And Sean, in cinemas, you also managed to catch a Sparks documentary, which you have been waiting for for a while and you have been looking forward to for a while. And I think, I think, I, I actually think that Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright might be one of these filmmakers that, like, you know, somehow seems to share a brain with you, Sean. I believe so. Yes, yeah, very much so. Yeah, I mean, I, I really do do rate him quite highly. Okay, all right. So we will see. We'll hear later on what it is you thought about that. But also on the other side is our home things. So the things that we see at home. And at home, I believe Sharon, you saw. Or did you not see anything at home? No, I have seen Summerland at home on Sky Cinema. Summerland. I'm sorry, my screen keeps locking, so I'm not sure if if you can hear me or not. No, we can hear you. We can hear you. Okay, cool. So you saw you saw Summerland. Yes. Summerland at home, and Sean, you saw. I saw a thing called Killerman. Killerman, but I'm, Killer... I'm not sure if I reviewed it before. I don't think I have, but I do not remember that. No. I do not remember that. No. Okay. I don't I mean, it was one I watched again, actually. So that would, you know, like I said, I see things and I, 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 I forget them. But yeah, I, I didn't think I'd reviewed that, but it was one. So that bodes well, doesn't it? <laughs> um, yeah. So and also, also, you know, like I sent you the the Zulu clips. You know, of the, like yeah, 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 yeah. We yeah. still have to put up onto our Facebook thing. You would so not this, believe. This is- yeah. This is Sean doing like recreating the Battle of Rocks Drift with with miniature figures. <laughs> well, it just so happened that as I was flicking through, Zulu just happened to be on, and it was about it was about I suppose it must have been a quarter of the way through, maybe a little bit longer. So I, it's one of those films. I'm really sorry. There's certain films that once you start watching, you have to finish watching. <laughs> so uh, you know. <laughs> So it was a case of I, 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 I watched through that. And also, 
I do like my YouTube stuff now. And I watched a, a documentary called Midway, the Battle of Midway from the Japanese perspective, which was oh. incredibly interesting. All right. Okay, cool. Good stuff. Right. Because we try and do the whole thing where we balance things out and we have the same number of, we, we have films and we talk about things that we saw at home. So I reckon that we go Suicide Squad, Summerland, Sparks, then Kim's Convenience, which is what I saw at home. And Sean, would it be, uh, going by what you said about Killer Man, <laughs> like we're like did i did i talk about it i, I can't remember it so okay, let, let's keep that over for another week and i and we'll keep about the battle of midway because i'm actually interested to hear about that battle of Midway from a japanese perspective till next week okay cool but, yeah that makes sense that makes sense so we we'll just do the two yeah yep yeah, just do the two okay. just do the two this week so if we if with that if we're going to kick off where let's kick off with let's kick off with the suicide squad yeah let's kick off with the suicide squad so this is a film and um if you listen to us for a while you realize that when it comes to giving reviews we all have a sort of like a different bent i get really really interested in the circumstances behind how the film was made sharon gets really interested in the history aspect of the film and especially and like and the synopsis sean just wants to give you the feels sean just wants to give you the, <laughs> the this made me feel angry you won't like me when i'm angry it's it's like sean just wants to give it so for me i find it really interesting because this is a dc movie and the eagle-eyed amongst you would have noticed that there is already a film called Suicide Squad out there. And this is called The Suicide Squad. And we have spoken about in this podcast about how DC have messed up their films and how they have they've, they've fallen flat on their face so many times trying to catch up to Marvel. And the, this, this film, The Suicide Squad, is directed by James Gunn, who directed the Guardians of the Galaxy films for Disney. He was fired from Disney for a while because somebody dug up some tweets that he wrote, like, I don't know, something like 10 years ago. And Disney were like, oh, my God, get rid of him. And people, everybody was like, what the heck are you getting rid of him for? He's a, it, it, it was a way he said that he was a stupid young man. All that. So there was this campaign to get him rehired. And he did eventually get rehired. But before he got rehired, DC went, hang on a second. James Gunn is available. He made Guardians of the Galaxy into something, into a great thing, and they grabbed him, and they br and then DC hired him to write and direct a kind of reboot of the Suicide Squad because the first Suicide Squad is a pretty universally panned film. Wouldn't you say so, Sean? Yeah, I, 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 I'm a little bit more forgiven at the most people, but I can understand why, why it's not liked. I Sean, that's only it. because you watched it twice, and as we know, <laughs> and as we know, the second time you watch a film, you mellow. I can mellow, yes. <laughs> so, Sh Sharon, what are your recollections of the first Suicide Squad? Did you ever see it? I remember seeing it, and I remember thinking, "This is going on for too long." And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> get on with it. <laughs> they tend to be my sentiments for a lot of these films, where I tend to think, you know, just just get on with it. Stop faffing about with subplots and side plots and just and stringing out the sort of denouement at the end so that yes. it lasts an hour it's like if you just get there do that and do that and then end the film yeah so yeah. i just i remember thinking oh just get on with it <laughs> okay so now we're going to so now we're going to get into our review our collective review of the suicide squad and a quick 
So, like, quick synopsis is essentially you have all these supervillains, supervillains in the DC universe. They have been captured. They're in jail. And there's a woman called Amanda Waller who runs a sort of dark ops unit. And she grabs the supervillains, puts a bomb in their neck and says, we're going to take you to a really, really, really dangerous mission. And if you do this mission, we'll give you like 10 years off your 20 year sentence or something like that. And so the film kicks off and the film kicks off with Michael Rooker playing a character called Savant who is in there, who is in this jail. And then she, she comes and says, right, we've got a mission for you. And you, you go through this whole heap of characters <laughs> and you see, you see all of them. Uh, you see all of them all going on this mission because they're trying to get time off their sentences. And they go on a mission that is essentially, the, the well, the, it's called the Suicide Squad because these are missions that you wouldn't send people on. Nobody would willingly agree to go on this mission because it's just so impossible to do. That is basically the, that's the synopsis that you'd say. And anything else that you'd say about that, you start getting into possible spoiler territory. Yeah. So what did we think of this film? Do, who do you want to go first? Do you want me to Sean, go first? Sean, you then, go. You go. Like, okay. Okay. Yeah, this film. Um, I thought, obviously, it was like you say, it was It was quite interesting that in being a reboot because basically the character, was he called uh, Black Flag Idris Elba? What, what's he called? What you know, he, he was called in the, he was called Bloodsport. Bloodsport, yeah. Well, basically, he was Deadshot, wasn't he? Basically, well, I think. It, it, I, guess, I guess they didn't have the money to, to pay for Will Smith again. I think after the first one, Will Smith didn't want to come back. Right, because the okay. thing, the thing about this is that it's it's kind of a reboot, but it it acknowledges that the first film exists. Yeah. Because you have some characters that show up, and they are, they, they are obviously... Like, for instance, you have Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie shows up as Harley Quinn. Jai Courtney shows up as Captain Boomerang. Boomerang. And obviously, they know each other. They know each other from beforehand. They know Rick Flagg. He shows up again. They know each other. So it's almost kind of... So my take on it is everybody who doesn't come back from the first film assume that they are dead. They've they've died on a mission somewhere. (laughs) But by this time, when you get here, the Suicide Squad has grown bigger. It's grown bigger. There's more people who they've captured. There's more people who they've co-opted into it. So, but but, yeah, but how did you you think of it? Here we go. So, yeah, so... um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it was the, the, the start. I thought it started off, I was like, ooh, wow, this is, this is a, a bit of an odd one. But, yeah, I mean, there was a, was, was a bit of a payoff, I think. I really like the character, the weasel, for whatever reason. I've <laughs> no idea. I've no idea why, but it just he's, I find him quite intriguing. Um, for some strange reason, it was just like, why, 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 why are you there? It's just like a, a, a byproduct. You know, it's, it's, like, it's, like, it's like, it's like, what would you do? What would you yeah. do in a fight? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, what did you? Oh, you know, you just want to come along. A bit like um, in 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 Deadpool, I guess, with the the chap who just turns up and they say, yeah, 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 yeah. You can come like, along, yeah. So yeah, so that was that was that was a quite a good start. And then, I mean, for me, this film. It had moments of, it, it had moments, should we say. So there was, was some good bits and there was a few bits where I am denied and then there was a few bits that I thought, okay, and I tried to be quite forgiving and I thought, yeah, okay, I can see where this is going. There's a few uh, in, interesting uh, powers, interesting powers, which some <laughs> of the Suicide Squad have got, um, which I found quite amusing. Um, so, yeah, so... and. Really, it's taken me a little bit of time to digest it, but on the whole, I would say it was. Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't dislike it. I didn't hate it. I wouldn't say I loved it, and I will say it had moments, and it did make me chuckle. 
quite a yeah. lot. Cheryl, what did you think? Yeah, I thought there's things I liked that, that were in its favour. I thought one, it just did not slack, did it? it? It kept going, and that's quite like I like in these films. I didn't feel like there's any real padding in it. I thought they were like, okay, we'll go boom, 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 and so you did get this rapid fire action. So you never had one sequence that lasted too long that you're thinking, oh, just stop that bit and just go on with something else. And I like the fact that it did take you by surprise on several occasions where you say, yeah. oh, well, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> and that's quite unusual. Where we are such frequent film goers, mm. it's quite hard to be surprised often at these films because they, they normally signpost what's going to ca- happen. Yeah. And when people say, I have no idea that was going to happen, you think, "Did you? well, you're not watching the rest of the film then. <laughs> how, how could you not see it coming? And so there's a few things in this I didn't see coming, which I thought, well, that was, that's good. <laughs> didn't see that co- that one coming. Um, yeah, some of the characters I found a little bit annoying, I have to say. And I just thought the humour, to me, was stretched in places. Um, for my sense of humour, anyway. So I thought, yeah. there's some bits I thought were funny, but in other places I thought, no, you're just, you're just stretching this for the laughs, yeah. and I don't think it is that funny in, in the beginning. But yeah, I think it definitely had things in its favour. It was definitely entertaining. I definitely didn't feel bored or was conscious of the time passing, which for me is like the big thing. If you sat in the cinema thinking... How much longer is this going on for? <laughs> it's not a good sign. Well, I didn't in this film. So, no, I so definitely had things in its favour. Definitely had a few things I was thinking, okay, that's probably meant to be really funny, but I didn't find it particularly funny. Oh, yeah? Uh, uh, okay, uh, may, may I have a guess? I'm guessing some of it might have to do with the with the bickering between Bloodsport and The Peacemaker. Yeah, some of that I just thought... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I see that one. Yeah, you're just doing this odd couple thing and I just thought no to me that's just it falls that a little bit flat and I think some of the visual comedy like um I could only call it like in the comment in the in the um video games not that I've played any um but you get a big bad and I just thought there's a visual comedy aspect to the big bad yeah stretched a little bit um but but on the whole, I thought, yeah, it was. It sort of did its job, really. It was big, okay. rash, and bold. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, okay. So I, I thought, right, because this was get James Gunn, and James Gunn has a very, a, a kind of a sensibility that uh, sometimes when he goes into the horror thing, I think it goes. Uh, I like for instance, there's a film he did called Slither that I can't. Uh, it's just no. It's 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 too. It's too sort of like things crawling up my back, but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah but um, but generally, when he does his sensibility, I, I like, and I really, really, really loved this. I really loved this. I thought that I think well, the big thing is that he understood how silly this whole thing is, and that, yeah. uh, compared to the first one, where it was all kind of like you know, we're trying to be serious and everything yeah. like that, and the bit like there's a, there's a scene in the first one where Will Smith says the title of the film. And the way somebody put it is that you can see him die a little inside because it's yeah. trying to be all serious <laughs> and trying to call something a suicide yeah. squad ring and trying to be all serious doesn't quite work. But this, he understood how silly it was. He brings in characters with the silly, silly <laughs> um, powers. And for me, King Shark, the fact that this yeah, film has yeah, King yeah. Shark, who is, if you have never met King Shark before, never heard of King Shark before, King Shark is a humanoid shark. So think a shark with legs. That is, King, that is shark with legs and arms. That's King Shark. Uh, the the fact interesting, that he, 
Interesting who voiced him, wasn't it? Yes, it was just a load. So it was just a load voicing King Shark. And King Shark is uh, because of, because of the fact that this guy has directed both the Suicide Squad and the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, it's hard not to compare. Mm. And King Shark is pretty much the Groot. He is the yeah. Groot of this film. But imagine if you had Groot and Groot was constantly trying to eat his teammates. <laughs> and I think I think I just I I thought I loved King Shark. I thought King Shark was hilarious. Yeah, King Shark was cool. I thought I thought it was hilarious. I thought John Cena was quite good as the peacemaker. Personally, I quite liked him as the peacemaker. And I think even the bad guy, the ultimate bad guy of this film, leans well into the weirdest, wackiest, <laughs> dumbest, yeah. silliest things about yeah. DC. It's uh, and it's uh, uh, look it this way. If any, it's it's in the it's in the trailer. So if anybody knows about DC and knows the term Starro, you would know what I'm talking about. A Starro is somebody who I've I it, it's it's kind of like it's the kind of thing that I'm like that's actually a very very freaky idea. It's a very <laughs> very freaky idea. Yeah. And and the way they do it on the screen, it is freaky. But I th- I thought obviously Margot Robbie, she is I think at the end of her career. Harley Quinn is going to be one of those things that stands out that you say, yeah, Margot Robbie is Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. It's like nobody else can play that role because she's made it her own because she fits it like a glove. I think I thought I I personally really enjoyed this film. I thought it went I th- it's 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 like in a different stratosphere to the first film. Oh, it's, yeah, it's it's in a totally different stratosphere, like a totally different film. And it's it's a different approach, different humor, different like it repartee between the characters and all that and it works so much better i personally would give this i mean i mean even the way they finally win the the final battle you look at that and you kind of go within the confines of the film yeah that makes sense <laughs> yeah that make, that's that's probably about the only thing they could have done to take that thing down mm-hmm. i was like, like that makes sense and uh so yeah i really really liked it um i don't know what's going to happen with james Gunn going back to marvel what they're going to do carry on with this but he i think he makes everybody look good in this film and i i personally would give it a four out of five but that's because i think a lot of the humor and stuff like that is right up my alley uh so how many stars would you guys give it I'd give it a three. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought, yeah, it sort of did what it was supposed to do. It delivered. But to me, I it didn't connect with me in that in that same way. I mean, I enjoyed it, but I would probably get asked me in six months what it was about, and I'd go, oh. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, to me, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's fun. It was entertaining, but a three for me. Sean, how many stars did you give it? Okay, well, for me, I mean, I, it really had moments, and I did actually chuckle on quite quite a few occasions especially should we we just say yeah especially you know mother um okay so so um yeah so i'm gonna have to agree with you with this toes and it had enough moments in there i mean there were a few bits and it did there were a little bit but i'm gonna on the whole i'm gonna have to go with you it was a nice it was a nice four you know you know what i mean when i say mother i know i know know what you mean (laughs) i know exactly what you mean i have to say i think i think that this this film might have one of the best your mum moments. <laughs> <laughs> your mum your mum jokes ever. <laughs> and I think and I've often said that Idris Elba there's when in films there's many times I've wondered what is the big deal with him. Yeah, is, I'm like, like that. 
Yeah, I'm like, what is the big deal? Why is everybody going crazy about Idris Elba? But I think in this, it, and there's a couple of roles I think that fitted him well. In Hobbs and Shaw, the Fast and Furious movie, I thought that fitted him, and I thought this as well fitted him very, very well. Like, he, I think, I, 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 thought, I thought it worked really, really well. So everybody's on form. Love it. Give it four out of five. Okay, we spent more than enough of that on the Suicide Squad. Well done, James Gunn. And now let us go on to Summerland. Uh, Sharon, tell us what is Summerland about? What is this all Yes, I saw Summerland on Sky Cinema. It's a was a it's a, a new it made last year. Well, I believe it was made last year, but originally released last year. It's a British film. Um, primary most of it is set during the Second World War, but it does flash back and it does move to. Um, it sort of flashes back to the 1920s and moves forward to the 1970s. But most of this story is set during the Second World War. A woman who has been disappointed in a love affair in her youth decides to basically she's become. Um, isolated and distanced from everyone around her. So she has this small cottage, uh, well, it's quite a big cottage, next to the sea in Kent. And one day at the beginning of the war, she's told, right, you're going to get an evacuee. And then she doesn't want this evacuee and she has no intention of joining the WRBS or from doing anything the village wants. She's happily to be, she's happily isolated in her, her own world. She writes books where she basically looks into the origins of folklore and finds out how does folklore originate. And so she's a, a serious writer. And then into her life comes this young boy. And it sounds like it's going to be quite a twee story from that. But then it sort of has some interesting sort of sharper edges to it. And the the theme of Summerland is basically one of the myths she's exploring is how um, people see that these phantom islands, they, they're they sailing up towards the coast and on the horizon they can see land and they head for it and they often end up on rocks or they end up sinking yeah. and people have said it's um like a phantom, it's like a mirage and she's exploring the roots of this and there's like a mirror mythology called Summerland in which basically Summerland is the world around us um, the dead inhabit the same world as we do but they're like just behind a veil and every now and then this veil parts and you see and this other land is called Summerland and then oh, yeah. sometimes you'll, you'll, this, the clouds will part and you'll get a glimpse of um, another place that is, sort of, that is the same as us but sort of slightly different and it's where the dead go when they die Okay. And so this story, yeah, it sort of mirrors the mythology and it mirrors the story in their lives, uh, sort of links in with this this idea of a summer land. All right, cool. So what did you think of it? I enjoyed it. It's the sort of thing I like. It sort of felt quite literary. And it was, yes, it was gentle. So the shocks were nothing, were nothing, were not brutal. But to me, it, it, sort of, it does, in the way that, so the Suicide Squad sort of spoke to you. This is a film that speaks to me. I like this sort of sensibility. I like the way it's it's filmed and it's sort of immersed in nature and it's immersed in in sort of our culture and it sort of nods back to the past in a sort of nostalgia, but not in such a sort of uh, sentimental <coughs> nostalgia. So I yeah. really liked it. So it's Joe and Gemma Arterton. Oh yeah. And it had some sort of cameos from Amanda Root and Tom Courtney and Gugu Mbutha-Raw. And it had some, yeah, it's, and, and I, I like, to me, it's sort of the sort of film that I would, could sit down and watch any day of the week and I would enjoy it. <laughs> Not this particular film, but that's, that style of film really does, is just up my alley, really. It, it sounds like it has this sort of like um, basic 
sort of grounded English fantasy sort yes. of feel about it. Yeah, well, there's a, there's a hint of that where a few things happen and you think, yeah, that that's, I, yeah, that, 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 yes, it sort of draws on its own mythology, as it were. So I thought that, that it does, I did like those sort of aspects of it. It just, yeah, it just appealed appeal to my sensibility. All right. So, and how many stars would you give it if you... So I would give this a four. So Ooh. I would, yeah, I enjoyed it. I I couldn't find any real fault with it. I doesn't. I couldn't give it a five because I think again it isn't what well, isn't broadly popular. Um, so for me, but it just speaks to me. So I would say I enjoyed this sort of film. I enjoyed this any film of this sort of ilk. I just yeah, I just I just can sink into it and really enjoy it. So to me, it was, a, it was an easy four. All right, cool. Now, okay, is it? Anything more than a Sunday afternoon watch? For because anyone else, I'd probably call it, yes. I'd probably call it a Sunday afternoon watch for anyone. Yes, I didn't watch it on a Sunday afternoon. But I would say <laughs> it would fall into that category. Yeah, because the way you're talking about it, like, you know, you can fall into it. It so, like, envelops you and everything. I'm like, this sounds Sunday. Ap-. This sounds like the kind of things yeah. I would say about a Sunday afternoon watch. Because but it is it's set during the summertime. And some of the imagery is sort of about that you see some ant, you see nature, and you see the wildlife, and you see other things. They sort of nod into it. <clears throat> it is one of those dreamy summer has yeah. that feel of it of a summer land, a summertime film. So yes, it's got that, and it's not high paced at all. Though there's there's moments of tension in it, but it, it's yeah. So you, it has that feel of probably a Sunday afternoon film. Okay, cool, good stuff. All right, and now before we go for uh, our usual halftime break, um, we have enough. Uh, we have enough time for Sean to go and ahead and tell us about the Sparks documentary. Sparks that is, documentary, yes. Yeah, Spark, the Sparks documentary. I think it's. Or I think it's officially called the Sparks, Sparks Brothers. Brothers, yeah, the Sparks Brothers. Okay, uh, so before before we do that, can you just tell me quickly when did you first get into Sparks? Nineteen seventy-four. Uh, what what <laughs> did it for you? Uh, well, it was just like the the the, the probably the, the record they're most famous for is this town ain't big enough for the both of us, and it was that was on top of the pop. They're on top of the pops, yeah. It's like wow, have you seen this? This is like totally, totally different. And so, I mean, loads of people watched it. Loads of people were like, wow, Sparks. And uh, I mean, Kimono My House, the album that, that that's on, I I practically love that album that's like got to be my one of my <laughs> top five albums of all time every track on it is just brilliant okay um, cool so, yeah so anyway you, you, so yeah you, you just talking makes it, it sounds a little bit like when i heard edgar wright talking about this so go oh, ahead short tell yeah, us about the sparks yeah i know edgar wright edgar wright is like one of my favorite directors so so there's a bonus from the start anyway so basically it's it's, it's the story of sparks two brothers and um they they uh, they they tried this America. They, they, they were in America and they formed a band and it didn't go very very well. So they decided that what they were going to do they were going to go to Europe. So they cut cut the uh, the American musicians and they went to Europe and they they had a British backing group. They got some British musicians and they had the big hit. This town ain't big enough for the both of us. They had two albums which were like mega, which was Kimono My House and Propaganda. Um, which obviously they spoke about because that was that was when they they first became fairly fairly big, and then there was a a, a few wilderness times and and uh, then they came back again with a few few hits, and then they just just sort of had like seventy five albums, but um, so it's it's just basically all their careers. But what I loved about this, it was all the people. There were people on here that were talking about them that you wouldn't think of. There was actors like. Uh, um, 
uh, Mike Myers and um, oh yeah, yeah, and they were talking and and loads and loads and loads of musicians. And something I didn't realise is a lot of people think Kraftwerk were the first, and loads of them say this Kraftwerk were the first all synth band. But one of the records that come out, Never Turn Your Back on Mother Earth, they had people from they had like Martin Ware from Heaven Seventeen and. They had the people from Duran Duran and all that and saying this was such a big influence in the clubs. You know, the guy from Erasia, Vince Clark, they were all like, this was just everybody was dancing to never turn your back. Like, and it was an all synth song. So it was way everybody thinks Kraftwerk were the first synth band. But this is and then obviously they, they there was a little bit of a time they went into the wilderness and then they they did another couple of albums. So there's a new audience each time. So from the start, there's like my generation and then there was the the synth pop generation and then there's a whole new generation that, that that are really enjoying them now but all the way through even the band members that they because they went through a few different uh few different uh, lineup changes sessions. yeah 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 backup backup people but they were taught even the backup people and the producers when they were produced uh, were still very very much they, they, there didn't seem to be any bitterness at all you know like there might be some all oh, you know they went off and left us but yeah was none of that they were talking to all of them and saying and it was really at the end they had a questions and answers they had a questions and answers where live so it was a live live show with edgar wright and the, the sparks brothers and he said uh one of the brothers said we just can't work if we're not working together we can't we can't um we can't do it we can't do it but oh yeah the one thing i must just go back they were saying that their mother was absolutely wonderful they had a nice nice sort of childhood but their father died early but their mother took them to see the beatles all the way to las vegas in a beat up and <laughs> a beat up thing to see the beatles and it says what mum would do that you know what i mean and uh, and they were animated sequence animated sequence so there were some animated sequences in it but it was yeah i mean it was it was terrific. It was absolutely, absolutely terrific. And I mean, even if you don't know Sparks, if you watch this, you would know them and you'd think, yeah, we know that. I think with the new generation, they did a collaboration album with Franz Ferdinand, but well, you must have heard of Franz Ferdinand. Yeah, 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 Franz Ferdinand, so, yeah. So Take I me out. That's it. It's better <laughs> in the matinee. Yeah. So anyway, um, so there was, and, and it was quite busy. It was, I thought I was going to be like the only one. I thought there can't be many people that <laughs> But, but do you know who was in there? Who's from from the cinema? Did the quizzes at the Novo and and also used to do them. Well, Sharon, I forget his name. Oh, Dan. Dan, Dan, yeah, Dan yeah, was there. Dan was there. Dan okay, was okay. there with his dad and a couple of other people. So, so for anybody who's wondering why Sorry, we're talking Dan. about Dan, like you know, he's this celebrity or anything like that. Dan ran the film quiz where we all met. Dan used to run the film quiz. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I think we haven't seen him for a while, especially with COVID and all that kind of stuff. But it's uh, yeah. So yeah, Dan. Yeah, good stuff. So so Dan was there with his dad, and he said, and we we came out after the film was coming out. We were sat there chatting and that, and we were bursting into song. And I I, I did a song called um, uh, you know, like um, he they were like, and he's going, yeah, that's great, that's great. So, so he was like, <laughs> he like he was, we were there just like really totally reminiscing. And then so, Dan was, so so you guys went to watch the documentary, and then the foyer of the cinema turned so, into a Sparks yeah, musical. It did. And it really, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It totally, totally. So yeah, so I mean, I, I I mean, it was it was a really really good, terrific evening. So I mean, I'm, I I'll have to give this one a five just purely. It was just pure pleasure. It was just yeah. pure fun, pure pleasure. Nice to see people, and absolutely, you know, yeah, five star. You see, the 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 funny thing is like, oh, 
you were talking about their mum there, and I just thought, oh yeah, in contrast to the other mum that we've yes. spoken about on the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The suicide squad. Uh, in contrast to the Suicide Squad mum. So, uh, all right, cool. So, good stuff. And you said that you reckon that even... So, uh, so you watched it and you loved it as a fan. So, let's say mm-hmm. someone like me who'd never really heard about Sparks before this. Do you think I would watch it and then begin to get the idea of yes, why this is such a big deal? I, I really, really do. And and they said in, the, they said in the, the question time afterwards, they said we would only let Edgar Wright do this because they didn't... Basically, what they didn't want it, they didn't want it like a their life story that was more to do with the music you know obviously yeah. they, had, they had the early bits but they didn't want they didn't want to go into their private lives that there was none of going into their private lives it was just yeah there was not much about the personal life in it there was um uh, there was yeah no there wasn't there wasn't anything about it was just their early life you know with their mother but there was nothing about poverty or what they're doing it was just a picture of them saying their mother was really good when their father died and took them to to see the Beatles on a couple of occasions in this silly Italian combi thing that they drove all the way to Las Vegas in and she said how many mums would do that you know and he said that's <laughs> that's when they decided they wanted but what was really interesting is they said they just can't work without each other they just can't work they can't work without each other yeah they have to work together so oh. That's, not that's quite the Gallagher brothers then. <laughs> no, not quite. No, no, no. Probably, probably the other, totally opposite of the Gallagher brothers. But yeah, no. And and I think even if you didn't really know them, it's a watchable because there's so many actors and other musicians in there. You know, you got yeah people from well, you know, I mean, famous, just incredibly famous people that that are just saying how much what influence they had on them, and it was great. You know. So yeah, so cool, cool. All right, good stuff, good stuff. And now we go to our final thing this week, and that is going back to Netflix. And this is Kim's convenience, and this is actually on Netflix. I actually saw this on Netflix, and I'm doing my usual thing where I'll spend the last couple of weeks watching something all the way through, and I'm going to re- I'm going to I'm going to review the entire show in its entirety. So we're talking five seasons, five wow. seasons. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> But we're talking five seasons of Kim's Convenience is what I'm going to review now. I've now, never Kim, heard of it. Well, that was going to be for a couple of reasons. Most likely because it is Canadian. And, okay. Yeah, and as we know, in many, in very many ways, Canada is almost kind of seen as like, you know, America's more polite, quieter cousin that doesn't make a big deal about itself. So, so and but Kim's Convenience, it it sort of like was notable for being the first show on Canadian TV that had uh, uh, that its main cast was entirely Asian. So the because it's uh, the whole idea is that it's a, it's a Korean family and they live in Toronto. So the parents emigrated uh, um, to um, Toronto ages ago. They had their kids in Toronto. So the kids are Canadian, but uh, Korean. And it's all about what they do where they they have a corner shop which what we'll call it over here a convenience store in america or in canada and it's all about just what happens with them this was based on a it was based on a play written by a guy called ins Choi, who himself um emigrated to canada from korea when he was a kid so he kind of like has only really known canada but then later on in his life he started connecting back with his korean um heritage and he's and he he wrote a play that was all about this fight between the different generations, the the Appa and Amma who run the run the store, and the son the son Jung who is estranged from the family, and the daughter Janet who is kind of like you know seen as the good daughter and all that, and 
so and they've made a document oh no not a documentary or comedy about this a comedy series about this and it's set mainly in in british parlance it has some similarities to something like open all hours with when you had okay. uh, yeah because it's all set in this store it's all set in this store and it's about people coming through the store and you have like a regular character a regular list of characters who come through the store and all that and it's and some of the things are about the korean dad trying to figure out how to bond with his children or trying to figure out why the world is different they have like there's some some of the supporting characters i love because I, this is a show that it says things about race and says things about like you know the immigrant experience and it's really really rooted in that in the immigrant experience of coming from one place and going to another place and a lot of the supporting characters there's a guy called Mr. Chin who is the he's the owner of the of the local Chinese local Chinese um they, they, they just say business they never say exactly what business he does but he's always coming in and talking about his dog because he doesn't have a relationship and all that and you have Mr. Mehta who is the Indian owner of the local restaurant and he comes and he's good friends with Mr. with Mr. Kim and they bond over the fact that they are both <laughs> immigrants and all that and they have they, they each episode starts off with this sort of little vignette before the titles before the main story actually kicks off and there's one great one that they're talking about how yeah see look we both came to toronto looking for a better life but now india is doing well and korea has samsung and all this kind of stuff it's like oh we could have been in at the ground up but no 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 we're happy being canadian we're happy being canadian and all that and it's it's and it's really good the the first episode so sets out a stall because it's all about pride it's doing pride is happening and Mr. Kim is trying to he at all he, he doesn't worry he, he doesn't care about whether people are homosexual or not all he know, all he's worried about is the noise that's going to come and chase away customers and all that kind of stuff <laughs> and so i it, it stars um like the it's the whole canadian people and you would not have no, heard of many of them however one of them you're going to hear a lot about soon because simuli who simuliu rather who plays um the son jung he is going to be shang chi in the Ooh. in the Marvel movie, Shang oh Chi right, yes, I saw the poster for that in the yeah. cinema. Yeah, Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, and um, with my whole thing of what's going on behind the scenes, because it, it's ended after the fifth season, and it's ended in some sort of acrimonious circumstances because the the um. The cast were like, we didn't know it was ending. When we filmed the final episode, we did not know that was the final episode. Oh wow! Yeah, and so no, that's the, not good. yeah, so so the the cast are a bit annoyed about it. They say that the creator hasn't really spoken to him. But but reading between the lines, I can see that what happened is you had this Korean guy who was running a show that was celebrated as being the first show to have a majority um, majority Asian cast on Canadian television, but he watching the seasons you can see that they were running out of ideas i think by the time it got to season five i honestly think that they're running out of ideas right and reading yeah. re- 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 you don't re- want to become caricatures do you because think no that's just yeah yeah exactly wrong. exactly and, and i think because it was based on a play so it was based on an hour on an hour and a half play and they managed to get five seasons out of this hour and a half play <laughs> so and reading the 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 Reading the storyline of the play, reading the plot of the play, you can see that they have taken elements of that and they've spread the elements of the play, like the dramatic points that it hits mm. over over mm. the different seasons. And I think he essentially just got to the point where he was like, I don't know what else to do. Yeah, I, I genuinely think, even though it was successful, I think he got to the point where he was like, I don't know what else to do. And he wanted, he wanted a break to go away. The problem is they hadn't, 
and this is this is something that personally for me it's kind of like a when you talk about representation because everybody was like yay but when you li- when you listen when you read through the the crew list he's pretty much the only korean name so it was kind of like he was the korean guy in charge of everything but everybody else was caucasian oh right everybody else behind the scenes making this show was caucasian so when he left they didn't have somebody who could take o- take over and then so they were left i think the the network was left in a situation where they were going to be like yeah this is the show that has a totally asian cast and we have a whole bunch of white people deciding <laughs> what they say and telling them what to do <laughs> so i think the network went if he leaves, we can't do this show because they hadn't taken taken the time to raise other people in. So it and so everybody keeps talking about there's lessons learned and all that. And I'm like, yeah, this is the lesson that you've learned. Next time when you have something like this, make sure that it's being done behind the scenes and you're building up everybody yeah. and every because if not because now you've lost a good show because yeah. somebody else might have had different ideas. There's things that they do at the end of the fourth season, especially with the character of Janet, the daughter where I'm like, they are flailing about for ideas. <laughs> they are totally flailing about for ideas. It's like, you know when you have a, you know when you have a will they, won't they couple in a show? Yeah. They do this will they, won't they thing with her for a while that just disappears. And then out of nowhere, there's a they will. And you're like, what? That, that, that makes no sense. That makes no sense. And then she goes away from from for season four, comes back in season five, and it's like we've forgotten about that. We've forgotten about that thing that happened at the end of. It's just under the water, even though it was built up as this big dramatic thing. And then now she's beginning to question her sexuality. And I'm like, where the hell is this coming from? <laughs> This is, we need a storyline people <laughs> exactly it felt it really really felt like we need a storyline we need something to do and quite frankly i'm happy it ended i'm happy it ended because they were running out of ideas as much as i love the show as much as i burnt through five five um five seasons in about two months they were running out of ideas and uh it, wh- whatever i love the fact that it, what the show represented i love the fact that it was the first time like you know like had a mi- major majority minority led cla- cast in on canadian tv i love all of that but they were running out of ideas <laughs> and so uh, all in all for all five seasons obviously various se- seasons for the season and all that uh, i would give this a three out of five for the but mainly because i feel like t- towards the end it was possibly on tv a season too long and it was mm. possibly, um, and I just think there were no ideas. And it's a bit of an, I think it's a bit of an oversight to have a show that is talking about a, how, talking about Korean Canadian experience and not have a Korean Canadian who could take over from one Korean Canadian yeah. to keep mm. running the show. I think yeah, that that's yeah. just like a massive, massive dumb oversight. <laughs> Oh, so, but all in all, Kim's Convenience, I would recommend it and I'll give it a three out of five. Definitely the first four seasons. But, um, right. And so that's it. We have come to the end. And do you, would you like to hazard a guess at who has won this week between Netflix and cinema? I'm pretty certain it's, it's, it's got to be cinema. Yeah, it's cinema. Uh, yes, I think it has to be cinema. It was helped a lot by the Sparks documentary. Yeah, but yeah, which is which is good, and it's been good because we've had a couple of weeks now with cinema, which has been a bit meh. meh, meh. Mm. Yeah, we've uh, seen. yeah. So it's nice to see that we have a, a, a weekend. Which cinema can give us two separate things? You can have the silliness of the Suicide Squad, and yet the kind of art. I mean, I guess you. I guess it is. No, it is definitely art of the Sparks Brothers. 
it, yeah, and the documentary. Uh, 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 so yeah, it's really worth a watch. I mean, I don't, I, I don't expect it's so much to watch, and people won't. But it's worth a watch, even if you don't really know them. It's a, it's a, it's a well-made movie, mm. uh, well-made, yeah. well-made documentary. Yeah. Mm. All right, cool. So um, uh, I would say yeah, and I can recommend Kim's Convenience to the two of you. And um, um, just one further thing before we go, if you're still listening at this point, thank you very much for listening to us. We have become aware recently that people actually do listen. And if you do listen, we would like to talk to you. So please do get in touch with us. I mean, talk to your friends if you like what you've heard. Tell them to subscribe on wherever they get their podcasts from. I heard of one called Podcatcher this week. I didn't know that existed. So yeah, Podcatcher, iTunes, Google, find <laughs> us. Uh, we're also up on YouTube. You'll also see the videos I put up on YouTube. And uh, get involved with the quizzes as well. Find us on Facebook. Go join our Netflix versus Cinema chat. And send us a message as to why you keep listening. Send us a message about your take on one of the things we spoke about. Whether you agree. Whether you thought the Suicide Squad was a pile of steaming crap. <laughs> Let us know. <laughs> Let us know. And uh, we love interacting. And we will probably give you a shout out. I think we'll definitely give you a shout out at this point in time. So anyway, until next week, it's a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from me. And Ian Ogilvie up there as well at the back. He says goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what was the other guy called? Uh, Nicky Henson. Nicky Henson. Why, yeah. did have, why did I have Paul Nettles in my head? Never mind. <laughs> so anyway, thank you very much for joining us. We'll speak to you guys next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>